exciting time in our country, and I thoroughly uh, believe that the gentleman that's here tonight is one of the great voices and leaders, fathers in the faith for this day and time. Will you stand with me and let's welcome Pastor Dwayne Sheriff as he comes to me. Praise the Lord. Thank you so, so very much. Thank you for being here. A warm welcome to our our fellow laborers together in the kingdom of God, any of our pastors that are here, thank you. Your time is your most valuable commodity. You have a limited amount of it, and you have to be a good steward of it. So thank you for giving us some of your time. Let me take a moment to thank Pastor Michael and Mina for my shirt. How many of you like my shirt? I mean, I'd be looking good. Come on, I'd be looking good. And I, I feel like it would be pride if I didn't give honor where honor was due. So thank you for my shirt. I want to thank Gretchen for feeding me today. Uh, I don't know why I attacked her. Uh, it, it wasn't smart knowing she's cooking. So she did feed me. I was so grateful for that. She did have a little table and, and, and chair in the garage for me. So I, I didn't get the fellowship with all the leadership, but that's okay. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, she, I ate with the with the staff. Uh, so I did, I did lie right there, but I'm not a liar. So I repent publicly. Father, I love you so much, and I thank you for these precious people. And what a what a great time, and yet a challenging time we live in. Lord, I believe the end is near and you love people and there will be a great awakening. I know there'll probably be a remnant. The first great awakening, people missed it right in the middle of it. The second great awakening, they missed it right in the middle of it. Israel at large missed your visitation and yet there was a remnant taken out. And so, Lord, we want to be a part of that remnant we want to be more Jesus people than political people. We want to be more Jesus people than material gain people. We, we just want to be Jesus people. And you have a purpose and you have a plan. Help me to be patient as you're patient on the unfolding of that plan. But let us be a part, Lord. We, I want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. We know Satan's time is limited and he's having a fit. And so I thank you that your return is nigh. In your name I pray, amen and amen. amen. Let's go ahead and go to First Chronicles chapter 12. And I want to share on the signs of the times. I'll hit this from a little bit of a different angle or the need of discernment. The need of discernment. After... Over four decades of ministry, I'm just alarmed at the lack of discernment within the church. Amen. Now, the world, and we were in the world at one point before we came to Jesus, they're blinded, the Bible says, by the God of this world. 
or they would see the glorious gospel, turn their hearts to Christ and be saved. So the world is under demonic oppression right now and blindness. They can't see the truth. They can't see the kingdom. They can't see the goodness of God. And they're being consumed in their darkness right now. And so there has to be a lot of mercy and grace on our part toward a world bound by darkness. And so I, I don't want to take time. I only have a limited amount of time, but I could spend an hour or two just balancing out our love for hurting people. But I don't have time for that. You just need to know I believe in it and I do it. And then you need to believe in it and do it. The problem is not the world. The problem is the church. And I don't mean that in a condemning voice or tone or attitude. We simply are being blinded when it's unnecessary. God has come to open the eyes of our understanding to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And yet because of carnality and because of our flesh and because of, listen, and I don't want to offend you in my introduction. Give me time. But not in the introduction. Immaturity is causing great deception in the church. And it's not just harming us. It's harming us. Deception in the world and in the church is harming us greatly, dividing us, confusing us. But that is not the issue even with God. When we're divided through deception and immaturity, when we are confused because of immaturity and now deception... The world suffers because we're not able to be the light God's called us to be. So a lot of the things that God will be saying in the next few years as this great awakening begins to unfold that I'm confident I've heard the Lord. I've, I've had a death experience and, and, and met the Lord face to face and had conversation with Him and lots of things I'm still processing. It's been two years. And I haven't got it all processed to, to this date where I can communicate it accurately. But one of the things I know that I know is that he's not done, I'm not done, and you're not done. God has a plan. And it doesn't match the national media's plan. It doesn't match the political powers filled with greed. And on and on we could go. And see, even saying things like that, I'm not against news. I'm against propaganda. I'm not against politics. We have to decide how are we going to live as a civil people. And politics has its place. But I'm not married to politics or a political party. I'm not married to the national media. I'm not married to these college professors. I'm not married to religion. I am married to Jesus. And I am committed unto him unto death. And there has to be a people on the earth that are committed unto him unto death. But brothers and sisters, I love you, but I'm telling you, we're married to a lot of different things. And we need to see some divorce around here. See, I, 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 I need to be careful. That's what I've been waiting to hear. I'm out of here, Elizabeth. That man said divorce is God's will. Stupid ain't, amen, God's will. I'm not talking about divorcing our wives. I'm talking about many times we have to divorce ourselves from things that we think are good that are just eating of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil 
And it's leading to death in our lives and we're creating death. When, when we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when we try to discern good and evil independent of God, it produces death, but it's not just death in my life. When I eat of the wrong tree, when I eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there's not only death that comes to me, but I become innocently a vessel of that death. When I eat of the tree of life, come on, somebody, help me just a little bit. When I eat of the tree of life, we know who that is. That is Jesus. That is the truth that is eternal. That is the unseen real reality of, of what is going on. Not this alter reality of flesh and carnality and the world and the lust and the greed of it. Then there is a place where I understand by the Spirit, this is good and this is evil. If I eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I pervert good and exalt evil. And that's what's happening. The word I got from the Lord is that we are experiencing a generation that is eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The woke movement is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet many of God's people are caught up in all of these things called good that are a perverted good. And we can't see it. We either can't see it or many of us choose not to see it. And that's the work of the Lord. I can't help anybody with that. All I can do is live married to Jesus and the truth and eat of the right tree so that I experience life, but I become a vessel in this last hour of life. And that's what God's calling us all to. There'll only be a remnant, evidently. There's always been a remnant. There's always been within God's people, a people that love Jesus, that love the truth, that are willing to die to their flesh crucify their flesh, their desires, their opinions, their wants, their understanding of what they think is right versus wrong. And God is doing a deep work. I believe, and I'm praying that this isn't just me. I sense it could be just me, but I'm asking the Lord to do a quick work. The first great awakening was over decades. The second great awakening was over decades, 30 years of that great awakening. And reformation came out of the great awakening. See, we don't even know who we are anymore. We're so worldly. We're so caught up in worldly doctrines today that we don't, we don't know who we are. We have forgotten that we are in union with Christ, the source of all that is good, that hospitals came out of the church and the knowledge of God's will to heal and desire to heal and our hospitals were named after, after denominations and Christians and saint this and saint that. Because when you get a revelation of God and a great awakening, true good comes out of it. Our college campuses that have devolved into types of Sodom and Gomorrah, some of them. And I'm not trying to be mean there. I'm trying to, to be honest about it that there's just evil being propagated on these campuses. These schools were birthed out of the Reformation, out of a great awakening, 
where people saw that the Bible needs to be taught. And the Bible was the main textbook of most of our Christian um, colleges and schools. Now, anything of the Bible is rejected and hated. And listen, here's the problem. It's rejected and hated in the name of good. A perverted good. We live in Isaiah 5.20. Woe unto them that call good evil. Evil good. That replace bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And yet I wake up every day and I not only see it easily in the world. I see that the world is poisoning the church. Instead of the church being the salt uh, and light of the world. And there has to be something happen. And I believe it's supposed to happen in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But I believe God's fixing to shake some things up. And everything that's not the kingdom of God is going to be shook. And the only thing that will remain at the appearing of Jesus and his kingdom is that kingdom. So I want my life established on kingdom principles. Kingdom rule. Kingdom truth. Kingdom good. Versus this worldly, perverted good. The world will actually call sexual perversion love. They don't call it perversion and evil. You'd flee it. They call it love. That's the hour we're living in. And I just picked one thing. I'm not picking on anybody. I could pick other things, but dear God, I want Steve to at least stay. Do you realize how difficult it is to just stand up and talk about morality in the church? Basic morality, things that none of us of any denomination should disagree on. Any background should disagree on. Any color should disagree on. Any financial status should disagree on. There are some things that are eternal, saints. Marriage is eternal. It was given to man, not just the church. And yet I can't even go into most churches and talk about marriage as God created it, ordained it, and why he created it between a man and a woman and what the purpose of marriage is. Because we're deceived. How did we get deceived? I see the deception, but I'm asking God, help me not be deceived and help me help people that are deceived come out of it. How did we get into the deception we're in? Immaturity. We've made converts by the millions and disciples by the hundreds. Do you know how few disciples of Jesus you're going to run into in this life? You'll run into converts everywhere you go. They say they're Christians. And then you look at their life and you wonder, where is Christ in your Christianity? Where is life? Where is love? Where is grace? Where is mercy? Where is God's justice that is rooted in righteousness? His very throne is a throne of justice and righteousness. And yet you can't find a disciple at large. Why, God? How? What has happened to us? Why are we so divided still? Immaturity is what the Bible teaches. It's not that we don't love God. I talk to people all the time that are so confused. They're worse than a termite in a wooden yo-yo. That was good. That, I mean, their heads are spinning. But they don't understand sexual purity. 
and the perversion in our world and how it's destroying young people's minds. They don't understand simple things. Why God? How? Immaturity. Look at First Chronicles. Let's go there. And the Lord gave me a word out of this for a remnant. There has to be a remnant. And it's not going to come out of the world. The great awakening is not going to come out of the world. It's going to come out of the church. And so David is putting together an army. How many of you know we're in a battle? But my heart breaks. For most Christians, they think we're in a battle. They think we're in a war, but it's with flesh and blood with them. As soon as you start talking, it's a battle, all right, but it's flesh and blood. And that's not our battle. Ephesians chapter 6 can't be any clearer. How could anybody not understand? My battle is not with anybody's flesh and blood, period, but with principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. That is so simple, you have to have help to miss it. But I'm telling you, people have, have had a lot of help. It's like they go out of their way to miss it. And every argument we have is rooted in flesh. It's rooted in people's flesh. It's rooted in your flesh. It's flesh. And yet they think they're mature. And it's locked us into to deception. Steve and I were talking. Pastor Steve and I were talking. And I was in a pastor's conference. And uh, I get a lot when I go to a pastor's conference. I like to hear me. I'm kidding. Let it go. When I go to a pastor's conference, I try to stay and not just come to speak. I want to hear. It gives me a time to hear other men of God. And I was in a pastor's conference in Tulsa. And one of our good friends made a statement that slipped me that he got. That's not, I, did, I don't think that's possible, but somehow or another, I missed it, and he got it. It's embarrassing. When he's telling me, I said, you know, was I there? He said, yeah, you were there, and here's what he said. He did? It's a revelation. It's a real revelation. That's why it's so important that you learn to hear, and he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God's trying to talk to us. This pastor friend of ours said that we're in a war. Now listen, because I missed it. So I'm trying to help you not be like me. He said, we're in a war. And I have said this often. We're in a war between good and evil. I believe that's still a true statement that I've made. But he said, many are saying, like myself, we're in a war between good and evil. But the real war that we're in is between man's good and God's good. Isn't that awesome? Because Satan comes as an angel of light. He doesn't come as the devil. Even the slowest among us, if the devil showed up in a red suit, pointy ears, long tail, pitchfork, you'd go, that's the devil. But the devil shows up As an angel of light, love, justice, goodness, tolerance. Come on. If you haven't heard those words, you've been asleep. And so we have to, we have to hear God and know good from God's perspective 
or in our immaturity, we will be deceived in these last days. Over 40 times the New Testament warns the church about deception. You can't find one scripture on smoking. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying smoking's okay. But I grew up in a church where if you smoked a cigarette, you were going to hell. I'm serious. You smoke, you go straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And smoking will not send you to hell, saints. It'll make you smell like you've been there, but it will not send you to hell. What sends people to hell is the rejection of Jesus. Now, smoking isn't good or right. But while there's not one scripture on it, when I was growing up, that was pounded on all the time. And yet there's over 40 passages. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. God won't be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, he will reap. Do not be deceived. Evil communications will corrupt your good manners. How many of us know more how the world thinks and the narratives of the world than how God thinks and the narrative of God in this hour? And we're, we're shocked when we're deceived. And yet be not deceived. Evil communication will corrupt your good manners. You can't keep listening to the world and what they call good and it not corrupt you. It'll corrupt your kids. It'll corrupt an entire generation. We have an entire generation coming up that's eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They think they're good, independent of God. They think they do good, independent of God. And they think they can know good, independent of God. And there is no good, independent of God. There's no one good, independent of God. Jesus was approached by a rich young ruler and he called him master or good master. And Jesus said, why do you call me good master? There's only one good and that's God. Do you know how few of you sitting here believe that? I love you. But you think other things and other people are good when they are evil. There's only one good. There's no good in you but God. You don't know good without God. You can't be good without God. And you can't do good without God. Yet the world's narrative is we can be good without God. As a matter of fact, the world believes their righteousness is superior to God's. That is right. If you listen to the world, they believe their holiness is superior to God's. God says this is an abomination The world says, oh, no, God doesn't know what he's talking about. It's love. That's a person that has exalted their righteousness above the holiness of God Almighty himself. And the whole generation's doing it. And the church is being sucked into it. And the remnant's having to fight to get out of it. To be focused on the cross. To be focused on God's love for each other. I've got to get to First Chronicles. I apologize. Did you get anything, Michael? I mean, it's not good to sit on the front row. I'll go to spitting, brother. And I mean, you just don't want to be on the front row. Ask Gretchen. Yeah, you didn't want to be alone tonight. I get it. All right. David is going to war. We're in a war. I know you think it's this and that. And, and, and Democrats and Republicans and right and left and this group and that group, this, this nation and that nation. I know how confused you all are, but I am 
telling you we are in a war. It is a spiritual battle for the souls of men. And David, in a type and a shadow, is going to war. And he knew to go to war, you have to have skilled warriors in skilled positions. And you can read this, it takes way too long. But he goes to every tribe. And there were skilled positions in that tribe that would come out of the tribe to go to war. The tribe of Benjamin had this many skilled warriors. The tribe of of Issachar. The tribe of Reuben. All these tribes. And he selected a remnant out of each tribe. We will see out of all of our tribes. We're all tribal. Whether we're going to face it or not. We got our little tribes. But God is bringing warriors out of each tribe. That are going to come together in a great awakening, in a great move, that these people will be so committed and loyal to Jesus that they're willing to truly die to anything for the Lord. So David's gathering them. Well, look at this tribe, the tribe of Issachar. Of the sons of Issachar, Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 And all their brethren were at their command. I pray a rhema would come on that. The breath of God. A quickening. That this was a minority of people. It was only 200. If you'll go back and read the other tribes. There was 40,000 taken out of this tribe. 60,000 out of that tribe. By the time you got to the people who had understanding of the times and knew what we're supposed to do, there was only 200. And boy, you've got, you've got certain tribes, they're ready to fight. <laughs> they're ready to go to battle, but you gotta, you gotta help them get their heads straight. What, what, what is our battle with? And how do we fight? But do you know how few sons of Issachar there are? Three, three things jump out of that one passage. They had understanding of the times. I travel the whole country. I'm very fortunate, very blessed, and thankful to God for actually where my ministry is at. I am the smallest, largest ministry in the world. I'm here. Oh, well, you didn't even appreciate me being here. Uh, I mean, I preach to thousands. I preach to ten. Uh, large crowds, small crowds. I, I feel very blessed and honored for how God has evolved my own ministry. But I can't tell you in traveling the country how few sons of Issachar there are Amen. that understand the times. We're, we have to address issues, no doubt about it. I think... I think it's a part of the role of a pastor, especially. We have to just uh, address. I I try to address. I have a new book coming out. I wish I'd have had it for this meeting, at least for the pastors. It's called The Counterculture, The Answer to the Woke Movement. And I deal with most of the cultural issues. And it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. took me two years, almost three years to write the book. And a lot of prayer. And backed out, was going to back out a couple of times. Because the body of Christ is so immature. They get offended at anything. Amen. So. 
You can't make it through one message if it comes out of the Bible. Now you can, Lynette, don't do that. You, you can make it if you stay away from the Bible and you stay away from the nature of God and His holiness, you can make it without offending somebody. But if you dare go to any scripture in the Bible, somebody's going to get offended. I mean, I did a, I did a, a good job this morning. Come on now. I did a good job this morning. And I was careful. I was loving and cautious. But I even warned you, I'm going to read these passages and people will get up and walk out. Just read them. Out of church. It's right there. And you just read it. You don't make a comment. You don't add to it. You don't take away from it. You just read it. And people take offense. So where where are these sons of Issachar that have understanding of the times that, wait a minute... This ain't about that. That's important. We got to deal with it. Yes, but that's not really what this is about. And that ain't about that. That's important. We need to deal with it because we're good people. But what's really going on here? What's Jesus doing? You'd be shocked at how few people can hear my voice when I say, well, one of the things Jesus is doing is purging his church. One of the things Jesus is doing is shutting churches down. One of the things Jesus is doing is dividing Well, I don't believe, I believe Jesus came to bring unity. Well, he said, I came to bring a sword. Don't think that I came to bring peace. I come to divide kids and parents. And yet some of you are having a meltdown with one of your kids goes woke and turns on you. And Jesus told you they would go woke and turn on you. And then if you're going to be my disciple, you got to love me more than them. He didn't say you don't love them, but you got to love Jesus more than a kid that just jumped off the cliff. Am I all right? I'm really working hard to be nice because there's some young people here for one thing and their 10th commandment is thou shalt be nice. (laughs) If you're not nice, they'll shut you off in a heartbeat. And you wonder, have they ever read the Gospels when Jesus is calling people hypocrites and snakes and vipers and dead men's bones, whitewashed? That is in the Bible. I called a politician a fox and it wasn't an endearing compliment. Amen. And I'm not saying now and justifying attacking people or politicians or any of that stuff. I'm saying where is the understanding of the times? And then you talk about the next evolution. The sons of Issachar, they understood the times. They had discernment. They saw what is really happening and what Jesus is doing, what God is doing in the earth, because he hasn't give up on this earth. He hasn't give up on this planet. He's got a commitment to save the planet. All of creation eventually is going to be saved. So what's he doing? Then it says, and they knew what Israel ought to do. That's called wisdom. See, we need people, men and women, of all of our tribes that have discernment. But then, okay, I can see that's really good. That's really evil. But now what do we do? What do we do? How do we speak into some of this stuff? How do we go from immaturity to maturity? How do we bring a congregation out of all this worldliness? That listen to the 
the six o'clock news. Hours and hours of people that hate you. People that will kill you if they had a chance. People that would shut your church down in a heartbeat if they could. And you listen to them for hours and hours and hours. Then you come here and if you'll give us 45 minutes, you're benevolent. And you better not offend me in the 45 minutes. I'm I'm trying. I'm not getting a lot of help, but I am trying. And I'm not trying to be confrontational now. I just got to go over there. I might punish some of these pastors and go over tonight. That'll hit you later. It's like, why is he going so long? Maybe you're reaping what you've been sowing. (laughs) It's like when we're speaking, we can go over, you know, an hour and a half. But when that guy's speaking, 30 minutes, cut it off. This is unbelievable. Look at Luke 12, uh, verse 54. Then he said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower's coming. And so it is. And when you, you see a south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather. And, and there is hypocrites. It's in red. I I was raised Pentecostal holiness. Read the red and believe for the power. It's in red. You're, You're hypocrites. You can discern that ain't right. You can discern that ain't right. But you can't discern because of your hypocrisy the times. Look at what he says. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it you do not discern this time? We don't have time. This is just. Lord, let not my words fall to the ground. We have gotten so distracted. And I kind of understand the distraction. There's a lot to distract us right now. There's we're in trouble. Our country's in trouble. Our world is in trouble. Things are not good. So there is a lot of excuses to be distracted. But when do we come to the point that we can discern natural things, but we can't discern the time? This is the time to rise to another level. This is the time to get over your immaturities. This is a time to grow up. Well, I've gotten in trouble for this. I won't hear in the name of Jesus. But somebody asked me recently again, do you think Jesus is coming back, you know, within the next month or two? I said, no way. It would be statutory rape. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He's coming back for a people that are seated in heavenly places, not in bed with the world. We're not anywhere near where we're supposed to be as the bride of Jesus. We're a baby girl that he can't. Consummate his marriage with. And so how do we go? Go, go to, go to Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter chapter 5. These passages jumped out at me in a new dimension after my death experience and conversation with the Lord of immaturity in my life. I'll go to Hebrews 5 here in a minute. Go back. Because what the Lord showed me was 1 Corinthians 13 and Hebrews 5. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there be tongues, they'll they'll cease. Whether there be knowledge, it'll vanish away. All three of those things are going to vanish at the same time. And knowledge hasn't vanished away, at least in some of our churches. These other things are connected to the return of the Lord. For we know in part. Let that sink in. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that's Jesus and his return, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, watch this, I put away childish things. When I became a man, when I became an adult, I put away childish things. First of all, he didn't say a part of being an adult, part of being a man, part of being a full grown Christian is that you have no immaturities. An adult, a mature person recognizes their immaturities and puts them away. Children have immaturities, but can't see them. And certainly do not put them away. So me being an adult, you being an adult, doesn't mean we don't have any immaturities in our life or imperfections or faults. We all do. Maturity recognizes them. And maturity decides by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to put that away. Secondly, maturity doesn't know everything. You know, we're funny. All of us want to know everything, but who who wants to be around a know-it-all? Isn't that weird? And I wish I knew everything. Well, then you'd be a know-it-all and nobody would be your friend. Preachers are notorious for this. You can't tell them anything they don't know. And that was not a smart move. You say that when there's none there. I'm just saying, I remember the freedom that came to me years ago. Because as a pastor, you feel like you have to have all the answers. And I was under that pressure. And things happen to people you can't explain. Things happen in life we still can't explain. And I remember the Lord giving me permission, literally giving me permission to give people a one-word answer to the loss of a baby, the loss of a spouse to cancer. Your wife leaving you. I can probably answer that one, but... It's because she knows you. (laughs) Let it go. (laughs) A one word answer. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. 
we all see in part. A part of maturity is humility acknowledging you don't know everything. And because I don't know everything and because I see in part, I value Pastor Michael. And anything he knows in his love for Jesus and Pastor Steve and some of these other great pastors that have come to be with us. Three things he said mark immaturity. Child speaking. You ever listen to some Christians and you wonder, my God, do you really know Jesus? You, you sound just like the six o'clock news. You sound just like a whining, immature baby. Anybody that's been around kids knows what I'm talking about. They can drive you nuts after a while. It's like, I feel, I feel for single mom, uh, um, not single moms, um, um, stay at home moms that are with kids all day long. And the husband comes home and he better be prepared. She's going to want to talk and you better just sit there for three hours and nod your head and act spiritual. She doesn't want any answers to all her questions. Amen. Just child talking. Now I hear people talk today out of podiums. And I'm wondering whatever happened to put not a novice in the, in authority. That they're speaking like children. I won't give any examples. Then there's, then there's child thinking. Do you remember when you thought as a child? Then there was child understanding. And let me tell you something about a child in his understanding. He does not understand danger. I've raised four of them and I got 11 grandkids now. Thank God for grandkids. It's God's mercy giving me a second shot. I'm making very few mistakes with them. But they just don't understand danger. I've got a a three-year-old that we are around a lot. And she's just like her mama. Dear God, she's just like her mama. And she has no concept of danger. I'm constantly, you can't climb all the way up there. Get down from there. Hey, don't grab that. Let that go. Put the knife up. One of my, my grandsons, one of his favorite stories. We're at my house. I have a pond and I got these huge rocks around the pond, half of it around the pond. And, but there's water moccasins in that pond and there's other snakes in that pond and they get between the rocks, especially in this heat. And he's out there and he's got his hand because he, he loves bugs and worms and, and critters and creatures. And so he's, the little rocks, he turns them over and gets anything under there, snakes and all. And so now he's on these big rocks. He's got his hand down in there. And you can see his seam. He's reaching around in those rock holes. And I holler, Israel, Israel, get your hand out of those rocks. It's dangerous. Okay, Papa. Welcome to church culture. You, you try to tell people, you can't touch that stuff. I'm not being mean. I'm telling you, fornication will destroy your body. It'll destroy your soul. You're supposed to flee it, not embrace it, not celebrate it, not march in the streets. Flee it. And you're offended at me? 
Out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, that every sin a man commits is without his body, but he that commits fornication sins against his body? What in the world does that mean? How many of you know all sin has wages? But the wages cannot be predicted. That's, listen up, young Christians. Quit predicting your wages. I'll do this and it'll probably just cost me that. No. All sin has wages, but you can't tell where the wages will come. But fornication, the wages come into your body. You sin against your body. You throw your body into confusion because God created us for marriage. Monogamy. One woman, one man. You can have sex three or four times a day and you're not going to get a disease. You're going to get tired. You're going to have issues. That did not come out right. You can, you can have sex. You can have sex one time and get a venereal disease. You can get it, catch AIDS and die. I could offend a lot of people over this virus. I don't want to. I work really hard not to. But people will go to all these extremes to protect themselves from a, a virus that's airborne, but then they'll go have sex and sin against their body and contract viruses that eat their bodies up and eat their soul up. And yet we have so little discernment. We've heard the world and the lies of the world so long that I, I remember teaching on raising our children and teaching them sexual purity. And I had people in my own church that had bit the lie of the world that, look, Dwayne, they're going to have sex. We got to teach them all this protection and all the anyway. And I'm going, that's so sad that you believe they're just going to do it instead of teaching them. And believing that they can be sexually pure. They can overcome with our help and their grandparents' help. And the church's help. Am I making any sense at all here? I'm talking about basic discernment. I'm talking about deception. I'm talking about immaturity. That we know so little of the word. We have child speak, child think, and child understanding. And Paul says, when I became mature, when I became a man, I put those things away. Now go to Hebrews. Here's the real revelation of how do we get out of all this? How can we see a remnant come out of every tribe? In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer is dealing with the two covenants. Old covenant law, new covenant grace, old covenant administration of, of Aaron New Covenant administration of Melchizedek and how Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek in the church, not the order of Aaron. Jesus is the high priest over Zion, not law and Sinai and Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood. He has now the priesthood after Melchizedek. And we have become, by the amazing grace of God, kings and priests in God's temple. 
in God's house. But then look at this jump. And I want you to feel this, saints. I want you to hear. God give us ears. God give us eyes. Feel what he's saying. He's ministering. He's an apostle. He's the voice of Jesus. If you reject Jesus, you reject the one that sent Jesus, the Father. If you reject the apostles, you reject the one that sent him, Jesus. There are preachers all over the country saying, well, Jesus never talked about this. Well, he sent the apostles to talk about it. Well, Jesus never dealt with homosexuality. He never addressed it. I've actually heard that said from preachers. And those same preachers will stand up and we'll all talk about the Trinity. That we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct separate manifestations. Who do you think that was that went down into Sodom and Gomorrah? That brought that judgment. It was Jesus. It was Jesus in the form of an angel. And he took upon him many forms before the cross. He was a rock that followed him in the desert. That is still so cool. Israel had a pet rock following him in the desert. And the Bible says that rock was Christ. Water came out of that rock. Life. Cleansing. Nourishment. He was a cloud. By day. Fire by night. He had many forms before the cross. Now he's taken upon him one form. The form of a man. And we have the man God, the God man, Jesus Christ, the mediator of this better covenant. Right now making intercession for us. And let me give you a quick revelation. Jesus is praying for us. But he's not praying for you a Cadillac. I love you. He may give you a Cadillac. Don't misunderstand me. I'm in a hurry. Not trying to be too blunt. When Jesus was ready to go to the cross, I got to say this quickly. He looks at Simon Peter. And he says, Simon, Simon, the devil has asked for you. But I am praying for you. And he tells us what he prayed for Simon. I pray that your faith not fail. Jesus is praying for you right now. And let me tell you what he's praying for you. That your faith in his word not fail. That your faith in his kingdom not fail. That your faith in his holiness not fail. That your faith unto death not fail in this hour. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for praying for me. Praying for me. The writer here says, look at this and feel it. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. He says you ought to be teachers by now. You not only have not gone forward and been the teachers God's called you to be to teach the truth to my people, to feed my people. You had need that one teach you again the elementary principles of Christ. 
Saints, I love you, but nobody's coasting. You cannot coast uphill. You're either pursuing and pressing into Jesus or you're going backwards. And Pastor Steve asked me the most difficult question of my entire ministry. What do you see the difference in how the church has evolved in the past 25 years? And I had to drop my head and say, she hasn't. She has devolved. She's devolved. We used to know from God's perspective, simple things, common sense. That's wrong. And we knew it was wrong because God said it was wrong. And we didn't even question it. Now we've let the world deceive us, question everything, and now make normal. We have allowed evil to be normalized. And that's the devil. He says, you ought to be teaching. I got to go back and feed you powdered milk. Because you can't handle solid food. There are so many things God wants to say. I am 100% confident of it. But I'm not there yet with the confidence to say it. Can't say it. Look at what he said. He said, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Go back to verse 10. He's talking about Jesus. Called by God a high priest. According to the order of Melchizedek. Of whom we have many. Of whom we have much to say. And hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. Did you hear that? You've become dull of hearing. There was a point they could hear. You could talk to him about sexual purity. You could talk to him about justice. You could talk to him about what's up and what's down. You could talk to him about marriage and what a marriage is. You could talk to him. Do I need to keep going? They weren't hard hearted. Today we have devolved. We have gone backwards to where people's hearts are so hard and they're so carnal driven by their five physical senses. You can't deal with hardly anything. And not create an offense. He said, man, I got lots of things I'd like to say, but I can't say it because of your immaturity. Think about that. I told the Lord years ago, and we haven't been perfect in it as a church. I'm no longer the senior pastor of Victory Life. I'm traveling more now. But I said, Lord, I don't want to ever be a church that you can't come to and speak freely. I would hate for somebody to come that would have a word from God and them have to say, I wish I could say this, but it'll hurt too many people's feelings. They'll go backwards and it's not worth it right now. And yet I can tell you firsthand, there are large churches I cannot go into and teach out of the word of God. That is scary. Wow. Go go back now to verse the last verse that just... Spooks me a little bit. Verse 14. Solid food belongs to those who by who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use. See, until you quit hearing the word. 
and not doing the word, you deceive yourself. The devil doesn't even have to fool with most of us. We deceive ourselves. James chapter 1 verse 22. If you're, a, if you're, you can't even get people to hear the word, much less do it. They won't even hear it. Much less do it. They deceive themselves. He said, there are those that have matured, put away immaturity. They practice the word of God. They practice denying self. Anybody besides me had to practice it for a while? Come on. Don't look at me like you're pure as a wind-driven snow and you're some super saint that you don't have to deal with your flesh or self. Man, I got to deal with self all the time. I got to learn to deny self. My way, my opinion, my thoughts, my child speak. Deny self, take up my cross, a crucifixion, and follow Jesus. And follow Jesus. They practice the word of God. Now watch this. This is incredible. By reason of use, practicing the word, have their senses exercised. The word exercise means trained to discern good and evil. Let me drop a nuclear bomb on you. If you're immature, if you're just a convert, you will not be able to discern good and evil. That's why you see all this division in the church. You see it in our churches now. I'm telling you, churches are more divided even within than they were 20 years ago. And you see the division without is because people can't discern. And division is the consequences of deception and a lack of discernment. And so we just divide and we keep dividing and we keep dividing. And we're not even sharp enough to know that's the devil doing this to us. God is only separating sheep from goats. Not sheep from sheep. Exercise, trained. In other words, if I don't discipline my five senses, what I see, what I hear, what I smell, what I taste, and what I feel. Everybody say, feel. Oh, my God. Somebody ought to write a song called Feelings. I've had, I've had leaders in the church look at me and say, I know what the Bible says, but here's how I feel. I don't care what the Bible says because of what happened here. Here's how I feel. Welcome to deception. Welcome to discerning good after the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not after the tree of life. Welcome to death. And welcome to being a vessel now of death, of hate, division, violence, envy, jealousy, strife. Thank you. Help me out. Give me a couple more. I mean, the list goes on and on. You can read it in Galatians chapter 5. And when you read that list, you go, oh, my God, that, that's the church. Forget the world. That's the church. Why? How? Immaturity. All right, I'll quit because how much time did I have? How much time have I gone? Where am I? Where am I going and can I get there from here? I don't know my time. I kind of slipped off. Let me, let me, let me. Yeah, that was my introduction. You wanted me to say that. I do that all the time. That's a, that's a bad habit. I'll go an hour and go, that's my introduction. Um. Go to Isaiah 14, 
Because original sin, we call original sin what Adam did in the garden. And I'm okay with that. I'm not trying to doctrinally disagree with anybody here. But Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, if you eat of that tree, you'll surely die. Now, I grew up confused as a teenager in church, really confused because I was hungry. I, I needed answers and I wasn't getting any. And that used to bother me as a teenager. I can remember hearing this scripture and I would think, God, do you not want me to know what good is and what evil is? How could eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil produce death? To me, if you can't discern good and evil, you're going to die. If you can't discern danger, you're going to die. So I didn't understand it. And it was a great revelation to me, Isaiah 14. Let me go there. That original sin goes back to Satan. He created evil, sin, darkness. God created Lucifer, a beautiful angel. He was found with iniquity in him and basically got kicked out of heaven. So what was that iniquity? What was that original sin? And this this blows people's mind. Most of you, I, I know some of these pastors, you they've they've taught you the word of God, so you you probably know where I'm going, but I'm telling you, the average Christian at large has no idea what I'm about to say. Let me answer the question I had as a teenager. God, what is wrong with me knowing good and evil? Satan tempted Adam and Eve that they could know good and evil independent of God. Listen, they could know good and evil in disobedience to God. That's the sin you see in the culture. We can know good, right, wrong, justice, holiness. Purity without God. And where does it lead? Death. It'll go to death every time. It always has gone to death. So the sin wasn't the knowledge of good and evil. The sin was trying to know, be, and do good independent of God. It's impossible. And it's original sin. Look at what the devil said. Isaiah, Isaiah 14. Look at verse 12. And I'll pretty well quit here and pray for you. What? <laughs> Y'all need prayer? What, what did I say? Y'all need prayer. I t- I'm telling you, you need prayer. Look at verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You are weakened, or you who weaken the nations. See, Satan's goal is to weaken you individually. Living independent of God is how you do that. And weaken a nation. I know this is controversial, but God loves nations. He told us to go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every nation. Disciple nations. 
We're just so confused and politics is poisonous so bad that we've lost the vision of we're supposed to, the church, discipline this nation, disciple this nation. That's how it started, with all its flaws and mistakes and wrongs. It was birthed originally in Judeo-Christian principles to disciple evil. And we've fallen short of that as a nation, and now we're plummeting. So he wants to weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Now look at this. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. Look at this. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest parts of the pit. I will be like the most high. See, I thought growing up, the devil wanted to be the best pimp ever. The best drug dealer ever. I, I'm going I'm to rule the cartel. Yep, that's me. I want to be over a cartel, over nations. I, I want to be the best pimp ever. I want to be the best liar. I want to be the best pervert. And God said, we're not having that. You're out of here. No, he said, I will be like God. You have to ask the question, what is God like? He's holy. He's just. He's righteous. He's good. Satan said, I will be good independent of God. I will be just independent of God. I will be righteous. I will be a blessing. I will be like the most high God. I will be good and I don't need God. Welcome to the woke movement. I will be good. I'll discern good. I'll know. Don't you tell me. Boy, I've had people put their finger in my face and tell me, don't you tell me what good is. I know what good is. Do you know, I could, if I had time and you weren't so tired. I remember when God showed me what the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was. I thought it was homosexuality. And Ezekiel says, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for their pride. Homosexuality in and of itself is no different than adultery, fornication, pedophilia, bestiality, incest. It's just another form of perversion within our sexuality out of control. It's the pride that brought them down. It's marching in the street. Prideful. And I'm not going to ask you to be tolerant. I'm going to ask you to embrace and celebrate my perversion. That's the sin. Pride that got Satan kicked out of heaven. And that's the sin of this culture. And that's the sin that has creeped into many of us pastors and many of our congregations. Our pride in our flesh. Our pride in our thinking. Our pride in our opinion. Our pride in, I know what's right from wrong, when God has something to say about it and we don't hear what he has to say. Praise God. Man, did anybody get something besides mad? Amen. I wanted to go to 1 Corinthians 3. 
Because we look at the church and we think all this stuff is new, this division. And the whole book of 1 Corinthians talks about their immaturity. They had divisions among them, strife among them. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. Well, I'm spiritual. I'm of Christ. Yeah, you're of Christ, dividing from your brothers and sisters, judging everybody after their flesh and after the narrative of the world. God's doing something very, very unique, very special. And I pray that you're part of the tribe of the sons of Issachar. Father, I pray for these precious pastors. We're under assault. We're under demonic assault. Our churches are under assault. Thank you, Father, for Oklahoma legislators that passed a law that no pandemic in the future and government will be allowed to shut our churches down. If we want to shut them down, if we feel it's safe to shut them down or we want to make them hospitals. I was willing to shut my church down and turn it into a hospital if COVID-19 filled the streets. With dead and sick people. If you tell me to shut our church down. Or to turn our church over to the poor. Or the sick. Or anything else our city needs. I'll do it. But no man. No man can tell me. I cannot assemble. Together. Even our constitution. Forgive us for not knowing that our rights come from you God. That means. The constitution that protects them. That's a that's a that's a holy covenant. (laughs) amazes me that we can't see that anymore. We've lost it. We've totally lost that our rights come from you, not government, so the government can't take them away. And we have the right to assemble together. We have the command to assemble together. So thank you, Father, that I know you've told me things that are fixing to come upon the earth, and we will be shook. COVID was a rehearsal, and we got shook to the bone. But many of us have grown, we've developed, and we're prepared. To have faith instead of fear on any pandemic that comes upon the horizon. And so, Father, I pray for these pastors again that are under assault. That for them to do the right thing, say the right thing, it will always cost us something. Many of us are afraid to say certain things because we may lose members. And I know that feeling. But, Father, if we don't do the right thing and say the right thing in these last days... From the tree of life, we're going to lose our church. And so, Lord, I pray for courage. I pray for wisdom. I pray that our hearts would be right. And that we would not only stand for the right thing, but we would do it the right way. We need you. I cannot know. Be or do good without you. And rather than pride in my flesh, I humble myself before you and my brothers and sisters and confess my need for you to help me speak with clarity and wisdom and love and the truth, but it be in love where it causes us to grow up. Any pastors here that are hurting, I pray for healing. We come under such attack. And there's so few that we can talk to that many times we just need an encouraging touch. 
encouraging words. Strengthen our hearts, God. Those that are here that have taken their time and assembled, that want to be a part of what you're doing, give them courage. Help us to be bold but not rude. Help us to be courageous but not mad. Thank you, God, for that tree of life and that we will speak as the oracle of God in these last days. I bless Pastor Steve and Stacy and my pastor friends. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God praise as Pastor Steve comes. Amen. Stand with us.